For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I hope I'm wrong, too. <laughs> From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there listening to the podcast? We're back. CSG, Ross Martin on assignment. We sent him to Vegas Summer League. He has yet to return, <laughs> but making his way all the way down here to South Denver, the king himself, Jeff Morton. What is up, everybody? Uh, nice to see you, Nate, after four months. Yeah, it's been some time. <laughs> uh, we're actually down here in the uh, the abode of one Harrison Wind, BSN Denver's Harrison Wind. Yeah, what's up, on guys? Podcast. Thanks for having me on. I can't believe we finally... We're able to do this with how interesting and hectic all our lives are. I know, right? <laughs> Not only Harrison Wynn, but we also got the new big stiff, Adam Mares, in the house. I can't take that nickname, man. But you're as tall as the old big stiff. <laughs> That's true. I'm probably, and I'm definitely bigger. Oh, yeah, oh. yes. Well, we, that could go many different directions <laughs> that we won't go right now. Jeff. Jeez, oh, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> Love you, Andy. <laughs> That's what happens when you're in the gayborhood, boys. Gets a little so close to the gayborhood right now. So Why close. does everybody say that? <laughs> it's, it's is that a real thing? Yes, it is. It is a real thing. It's, it's like, this is the haunt. This is the place. Yeah, There's a little extra glitter on Colfax. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're back here talking Denver Nuggets. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened that Jeff and myself haven't discussed. I'm, oh, sure, yeah. I'm sure the Locked On Nuggets pod, as well as the BSN pod, has covered these topics in depth. Over yeah. the past few months, we'll still hit on stuff. But damn it, boys, the Nuggets signed Paul Millsap. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> they got him. <laughs> yes. Breaking now, news. Breaking news. That is, that is something that happened. <laughs> well, obviously, I mean, Millsap's here, but even when we're now talking about, you know, the Kyrie Irving trades and all this stuff that's happening, I'm reminding myself, I'm like, holy shit, the Nuggets have, like, a legit power forward now. It's not like, oh, we have to worry about what's – is Kenneth Freed going to be able to – is he going to have these lower back problems? Is he – going to buy into what's going on. doesn't matter anymore. we got Paul Millsap. Yeah. And they still have Kenneth Freed. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, a, you know, it's not it – was, it was an interesting signing and, uh, the, and easily the biggest Nuggets uh, free agent signing since, well, you could say Ken, Kmart or at, you know, even going back to Antonio McDyson in 1998. So I think that that is that – is, it was essential for the Nuggets, in my view, to – after all the rumors, to actually close the deal. And I think that was the biggest part of this whole thing, was that after all the rumors, you know, the Nuggets have always, like the Dwayne Wade thing the year before, or, you know, um, trying to sign Chris Bosh uh, a couple summers before that, 
Well, Nuggets have always been the bridesmaid and never the bride, and it was essential for Connolly to close this deal and make it. And even, hey, they even got a team option in the last year. So well, it was also essential be- coming off the draft too. Like yeah. they needed this coming off the draft. Oh man, with, that draft uh, was not a good night. How meh that was. Yeah. Um, but I, I go back to about Millsap. Like he is the perfect fit. Like out of all the guys they've gone after over the last couple of years, yeah. like Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade. Like Kevin Love, like Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin. I, Blake Griffin. like Paul Millsap is a better fit than all those guys for this team. You know, he's may, might not be the best like skilled guy out of all those. He might not be you know, the best talent out out of all those. But just from fit, like even contract, uh, they able to get him as a free agent for the next two years. I just think he's the best fit out of out of all the guys they could have gone after. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Adam, did you when you? Um like we're thinking about this signing, and you and I've talked about the, you know, obviously uh, all four of us have talked about this signing. When you looked at it, were you like, God dang, yeah, finally, or was it more of a, oh, this is practical and, and good for the team, you know, kind of move? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, he is, I think, um, at least on paper, I anticipate he's going to be a terrific fit. There are, there are, we don't know that. I mean, I, I'm with you, Harrison. If I had to gun to my head, I would say he's absolutely going to be just not a home run fit next to Yogic, but we don't right. know that. And I'm very curious to kind of see how Malone kind of structures an offense and defense around those two guys. I think that'll be one of the maybe the most interesting part of next season. Um, but I do think he's a to use a cliche. I think he's a Nuggets guy. Like the Nuggets are with under the Conley era are kind of developing this identity. They've got a lot of obviously international players, but under the radar type guys. Um, another thing: very good attitudes, skilled players. Maybe not necessarily like. Um, physically dominant but skilled guys, and he he fits that mold. So I think I, I do think he's going to be a very good fit. Um, but there are some things that I I mean <laughs> I do wonder. It's going to be an interesting year just to see how him and Jokic uh, uh, kind of work so well. And in part because Kenneth Freed and Jokic work so well that I, now we're not going to have that combo. I don't think. I suspect Kenneth Freed won't even be on the roster. So what the real question is though? How many PFM shirts? Have you sold? Like, are the fans excited about this Millsap signing? I know Denver Stiffs has this cool T-shirt out. Has have those been selling pretty well? Like, are people? You think people are excited about this Millsap signing as a whole? Like, is it brought fans back in? That was a such a bit? great promo. That was a seamless promo of the new PFM shirts that are only available on DenverStiffs.com. No, um, and our and our old friends at D-Line, and our old friends at D-Line, yeah. or my new friend at D-Line. Um, I think people are, are excited in the, inside the bubble. Like, there's this bubble of NBA diehard fanatics that know Paul Millsap is this guy, and then there's these people on the outside that are like, who is he? Nobody's ever even heard of this guy. He can't carry a team or whatever. Could have had Kevin Love. Could have really? had Kevin Love, exactly. You know. Oh, yeah, there's a huge contingent I, of it. I disagree with that, I think. I, I get people coming up to me all the time, you know, just like in my office and stuff, who aren't NBA fans. They're like, wow, Nuggets got Paul Millsap. It's it's a big deal, I think. And I get a lot of people hopping in my mentions that are like, who's this dude? How really? Come, how come we couldn't get Kyrie or I don't, yeah. Derek Rose? They, they, all like, think he, they all think he was Ronnie Millsap, the blind <laughs> country singer. <laughs> but, I mean, so that, there's, that kind of leads you to the other question of, I mean, basketball guys know this guy's good. He's 32, right? What is the point of signing him? Like, are you just trying to get to the sixth, seventh seed, especially when you look at the rest of this offseason and the, the construct of the team? It's an incomplete roster still. It's an incomplete team. What do we make of this team? What does this signing do as far as the timeline of this team? Are they 
trying to win with this 32-year-old, obviously, but to what degree? And what degree are they going to try to push forward? And, you know, the same question lingers for years and years and years. What do we make to make of this roster now? Yeah, for me, it's obvious. Like, Millsap doesn't line up with the younger core of the team, like Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and, and Wancho and those guys. But what I kind of realized this summer – it was at Summer League, I think, when I saw it most at uh, Gallinari's press conference when the Clippers introduced him. And Doc was talking about how, you know, like, the Warriors are amazing. You know, obviously, they're, they're probably going to win another championship. Like, he didn't say this verbatim. But what he was saying was, like, you just got to make your team better. You got to keep, you know, trending upwards and, and keep improving your team and just you know, make, making your team as good as you can. I think that was the philosophy of the Nuggets and these other teams in the West who, you know, they're staring at the Warriors and, and the Rockets as well. And, you know, you're not going to make your team better than those guys. And you're probably not going to beat them like in a seven game series, but still you just got to keep improving your team, you know, making the pieces, you know, bringing the pieces together, making them better. And then you never know what happens, you know, injuries or whatnot. But that was kind of the, the sense I got this summer was that that's kind of the, the frame of mind that a lot of these executives have. They just got to keep improving their roster how they can. So they had, they obviously, they had Mike Miller, right? Who was this, he was kind of seen as a teacher or a leader of sorts for this team. People don't realize how valuable he was. He is huge. And, but he wasn't on the floor, right? Like he was this kind of player coach in a sense. And now you have Millsap who is, you know, highly paid, highly respected, who is going to be, if he's not your best player, he's your second best player. You know, I mean, now they have the Mike Miller, but they have the on-court version, right? I wish they had both. <laughs> I wish Mike <laughs> Miller could still be on the roster. But um, I want to say three things about this. First of all, this timeline stuff, I think, and I've said this on Lockdown quite a bit, this timeline stuff is nonsense. Look at the San Antonio Spurs had a 20-year timeline with their core three guys. Yeah. The other guys on the roster just kept rotating, and that's how it's going to be for the Nuggets. I think you look at most likely, unless there's a huge blockbuster deal, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, that's going to be your timeline, and those guys can play together for 10 years, and they'll have different supporting casts. Second of all, the deal with Millsap didn't cost anything for the future. Like They didn't sacrifice. They don't have a player in the power forward spot that's young and ready to play right now, and he's on a two-year deal. So for the next two years, you're not, it's not like he's stunting the growth of any other player on the roster, so it's perfect. And then third and most importantly, I think Harrison alluded to this. You look at the Timberwolves, and they've kind of sacrificed their future a little bit by trading some of their assets. But what they've also done is made themselves one of the most interesting and relevant teams in the NBA. And because of that, it's going to be easier, in my opinion, for them to pivot down the road. Because they're instead of being like the Nuggets missed the playoffs last year, maybe they're an eight or seven or six seed or something this next year. And I think free agents will look at that and say, yeah, that's a good team, but whatever. Whereas the Timberwolves have a chance to be a four or five seed, maybe make the second round, maybe the third round. And even if their roster as currently constructed is capped out, I think free agents look at that team and say, man, they're one piece away. I mean, you had Kyrie Irving with Minnesota on his right. list. Exactly, right. exactly. And that's where I think Nuggets want to get to. That's kind of the next phase of their rebuild. It's not really a rebuild anymore, but it's the next phase of this process is to make themselves that team um, that's – really really good that other t- free agents look at and say okay i want to join that you know it's it's you brought up cores and it's pr- really interesting how the nuggets have always historic has historically missed opportunities with their cores um <laughs> yeah because the ma- nuggets i think the most recent history was they made a mistake in, when they gave Kenyon martin that long-term contract their core ended up being carmelo anthony and Kenyon martin right. 
and all a bunch of pieces that rotated in around them, and that wasn't the right thing for them to do. They locked themselves into that. That was a mistake, and we're right now at the precipice of where the Nuggets are deciding what their core will be. And, you know, obviously everyone says Nikola Jokic. Um, uh, there are people, them in, among them in this room, would say Gary Harris. Uh, there are people who would say Jamal Murray. I, I would be one of those people. Um, but we don't know who that core is because Millsap is 32 years old and he's on essentially a two-year deal. The most important thing for the Nuggets to do is to define where that core is and who is going to be on that team and who they're going to rotate pieces around going forward. And I think that part is this year, that part of the discovery, so to speak, of what, what's going to happen with this team. Don't you think that happened last year a little bit too? Because I think entering last year you thought the core was Moutier, <laughs> Jokic, yeah. and maybe – and I don't even know if Jamal – hey, you probably said Jamal Murray too. And we realized, okay, Moutier probably not part of the core. Yeah. Nurkic certainly not part of the core. I mean, I think the same thing will happen this year with Wancho at Jamal Murray – and maybe to a certain extent Gary Harris, who I'm super high on. I'm one of the people I'm thinking you're alluding to. Mm-hmm. But I think the Nuggets will know a little bit better. Is Gary Harris a guy that fits next to Jokic and isn't as valuable as everything as, as maybe just on his own? Is, what's Jamal Murray? What's Wancho Hernan Gomez? Because I honestly don't know about Wancho. I was a little disappointed in his summer, his summer league. But I still think he's a guy that could very, very well be part of the core of this team. Um, I, I'm curious to find out. Well, yeah. Should the Nuggets be afraid? Because we obviously had the... You know, Gary Harris could have been moved to Indiana for Kevin Love to come here. That would have been a disaster, in my opinion. It, it doesn't seem like the Nuggets. Uh, should you be afraid to trade your core? Uh, kind of what I'm getting to. Like, if we consider Gary Harris and Jamal Murray to be part of that core, they're in trade rumors, and teams are obviously going to ask about them. When should you move on from those core players, or you know, should the Nuggets be afraid to move any of these core pieces that you know we might consider? You know, I, I was terrified that they might trade Gary Harris or Jamal Murray because I'm like, man, what if they trade Jamal and he turns into this great player? You know, and it, I, I always have a fear of uh, holding on to talent too long. Yeah, I mean, it's all about just making the right move, I guess. When uh, when Gary Harris was in those rumors for love, like I would have thought that would have been a disastrous deal. Like, I, I think I saw enough from Gary Harris last year where I can say he's definitely part of their core. I, I don't really need but to the, see but anything the question, more from him. The question about Gary Harris, because I think he's a perfect fit with Jokic, and that's important. The question is, like, what's he worth? What's it worth to pay a guy that's a really good fit in this system, but it's not going to carry your team beyond staying in his lane? Part of his value is he stays in his lane. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at the same time, you don't pay for a guy that because he doesn't shoot bad. You know, like, like what's Crab's deal, his uh, yearly? Alan Crab. Yeah, see, but that's a perfect 17 example. Seventeen and a half million or something. Crab's a great player. When you pay him like he's a superstar, then it's like, oh man, this guy's way overpaid. And I think Gary Harris could be the same way. Where I'm really, really, really high on him for what he does, but typically guys that do the stuff that Gary Harris do don't get paid huge salaries. Contextual. They get paid guys. Danny Green salaries. Yeah. But which they're going to have to pay him that, right? Like if that if he, extension talk for the summer. When is his deadline for his extension? October. It's the day before the regular season starts, so October sixteenth. Like Gary Harris's agent has to have all these contracts on, you know, printed out and handed them to Tim Conley. Like, look what these guys got. But it's He's not. Ready. It's not every day though that you can find a guy like Gary Harris that you draft that you have under control for. X amount of years, that's a really good kid on the court and off the court. And that also fits with your best players so well. Like, you don't just stumble across those players, you know, by, by accident. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's the dilemma that, uh, that every team, regardless, faces. It's like, this guy is like Portland, you know, it bit, it bit them. Contextually, this guy is really good. What, but 
do you have him like go test the market and say do what the the Utah Jazz did with Gordon Hayward and say you go get yourself a contract and we'll match it or do you say we're going to wrap you up now for what we consider to be a team friendly deal which right now if they're wanting to sign Gary Harris to a team, well, to a deal it's going to be almost 20 million a year and are you saying that Gary Harris was is your second best player on the team with that salary no. In my opinion, you know? no. I think he's Danny Green, and that's a great player. Every championship team needs a Danny Green on their roster, a guy like that. But at the same time, that traditionally isn't somebody that gets paid $20 million yeah. a year. That's a guy that gets paid like your fourth best player, which is what I think Gary Harris will end up being. And I love Gary Harris. I'm, I'm, not, this doesn't, I'm not trying to be down on him. I think he's incredibly valuable. I just don't think he's like a, a, I don't, like a – not Jimmy Butler. That's too high. But I don't think he's that kind of guy where he's a, a go-to score. I mean – well, especially when you start looking two or three years down the road at all these extensions and going, well, shit, they're going to be in the luxury tax. Like, they have to figure out some team-friendly deals in order to move forward, right? Do you guys think Harris's deal will get done before the season? Or do you think that they'll allow him to test the market? I think it will get done. Yeah. I, I, I think it will get done. I think, I think they want to get it done. I feel like if they get it done, that it's going to be at more of a player-friendly deal than a team-friendly deal. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's sure. no reason for Harris to sign something that's uh, not worth. There's wants no reason he should if if the Nuggets want you that much. You know? Well, Andrew Wiggins is reportedly getting close to a max extension Jeez. with the Timberwolves, and it's the same. He's he was in the same draft class as Harris, right? Yep. So that that doesn't help out the no, Nuggets. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, and you know, if Rudy Gay is getting that much money, then you know. And it makes me wonder too why, like, obviously, if you could get Kevin Love and you're maybe moving Gary Harris. What does that say about Jamal Murray? Is he a, you know, it brings me back to, did the Nuggets see him as a point guard or a shooting guard? Does it matter? Do we have to figure that out? Can he play point guard next to Harris? Like, is that your backcourt or is that never going to work? I think this is one of the things that that's the Nuggets front office is probably factoring in right now is in maybe not next year because Jamal Murray will only be a second year, but two years from now, is Jamal Murray going to be as good or better than Gary Harris at the shooting guard role? And he's going to be a lot cheaper because, again, if you trade Gary Harris now, you don't have to pay that salary and you, you save all this money, whereas with, and you get Jamal Murray for three more years under this tiny contract that he's on. So I, I understand that's probably the calculation they're going with. And as much as I love Gary Harris, I actually think there are players like him out there. There's just not very many Jokic's out there to like really maximize what, what Gary Harris does. So I, I love Gary Harris. I hope they keep him. I hope they keep him on a good deal. But I just think that there is a risk that you overpay a guy like that, and he just becomes not worth it. I like Gary Harris a lot, um, but his defense really fell off last last year, and that's the one thing that concerns me. On a on a just a basic level, you're, if you if you're going to be paid in a certain way, I would want that to be more of an all around thing. And his when his offense went up, his defense went down, which happens with every player, you know. But I would want to see this year. You know, depending on what where the Nuggets go, I'd want to see that balance out. I would want even I would even take his offense going down if his defense came up to where it's more of an all around thing at the two guard slot. I've I've said this over and over again. He's a freaking great defender. His problems on defense are the same thing that every single player on the Nuggets roster looks like. Nurse of Nurkic was like a horrible defender, like a minus defender when he was in Denver. He goes to Portland, he's awesome. I think they're I think I think that's Gary Harris more than anything. Because, look, he was an elite defender in college. He was, he was drafted as a defender, not as an yeah. offensive player. 
And he was a good defender, actually, under Shaw. Like, all of his advanced metrics rated out as a good defender, and then all of a sudden he's a bad one. So. Well, we will know if this is true, if uh, Gallo suddenly becomes a good defender. In that oh, and, wow. Mil- and Millsap <laughs> wow. becomes a bad one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> That's kind of what I wonder, too, with Denver's starting lineup. Like, how important is it to have a, a rim-protecting presence in there? I mean, Jokic can block shots. Millsap, he's not a shot blocker, right? I mean, teams are going to relentlessly attack the middle against Denver again this year, aren't they? I mean that's what you want to do anyway. Yeah, as an and opponent, yeah. I mean, what you help, what you hope with Millsap is that he can kind of his defensive. Like, what's he going to make better on defense? That's the effort, the communication too, and communication. Yeah. Um, I, I think the hope with him is he just kind of how good he is on defense and what's he, what he brings in terms of IQ and uh, experience kind of feeds off on. To the other players on the roster, and I agree with Adam. I think Gary Harris is a very good defender, and I think you'll see him start to get back to that next season. There's there's been some talk about a, a change in scheme, a more aggressive scheme. So we'll, we'll see. I was going to say, are we going to hear Millsap communicating? Hey, don't let that guy go by you. Oh, he's. I can see the Nuggets. <laughs> I can see the Nuggets trapping more next year. I can see them blitzing pick and rolls a lot more. What kind year. of defense do you guys like? Like, what would you want to see the Nuggets play defensively? My biggest gripe is I think they need to bring Jokic up. I think, I think Malone needs to challenge Jokic more on the defensive end because I think what he does is he tries to hide him, and he tries to give him a super easy role on defense. And I think he'd, and it's, he's not good at it. I think he'd be much better. He's going to make some like, high-profile mistakes where guys get all the way around for some wide-open layups. But I just think he's really, really good at, if you challenge him, he's really good at coming out and, and containing the, the ball handler on pick and roll and then recovering. So, but they got, didn't do that. They had him drop and play kind of in the restricted area and, and get got, dunked on. He has good hands, too, where he disrupted pick and rolls yeah. by just deflecting the pass. You know? So I'm like, why don't you try to use him in those situations where he has the good hands and vision, it can work defensively like it kind of does on offense. Yeah. yeah, my biggest thing was I just want them to be a little bit more aggressive. Like, they have guys who can get in passing lanes and get steals, like, Harrison Chandler and like even Jamal Murray, I think, is a guy like that. So that that was my biggest thing. How expendable does Malik Beasley make either Jamal Murray or Gary Harris? Do you guys see him stepping in next Not, year? Not, I don't think he makes them expendable at all. Zero no. percent, zero. zero. Ever? Does he ever do it? Maybe. I mean, I think Malik has good qualities. Like he's a good shooter. I think he can be a good defender, good athlete. Yeah. But it's way too early to tell on him. Yeah, and we need to see it at the at the NBA level, um, and we're going to see it more consistently. This year, I think he will get an actual defined role. I think um, sp- specifically with um, the Nuggets not replacing Gallo when he left, everyone moves up. So obviously, there's going to be role at the wing, and they maybe if they use an ultra small ball thing, they can slide. Beasley in there, so I think if he's you know consistently here and not being shipped down to a D League thing, which I don't think they will, uh, then you'll see more minutes from him. We'll see, get a better idea of what he's going to be about this year. Are, are there minutes for him though? No. I'm not sure if there are. I mean, you have what Wancho, Barton, and Malik. Depends on how much faith they have in Wancho. In I guess. Ma- yeah, I assume they have a lot more in Wancho than Malik right now. Yeah. Like Wancho's the guy who I think next year is in for the biggest potential jump oh, well, him, him and Jamal Murray yeah, he, they, obviously he's going to be the backup three definitely right that's, that's going to be where do you play Moutier like you got to get him minutes at points so I I've talked about this on the pod not too long ago I'm concerned about the second lineup because the second lineup if you just did a five out five in switch you would have Moutier Barton Wancho Fareed 
and Plumley, and that's a, not a good lineup. Whoa. It's like not a good lineup on talent, and it's not right a good now. lineup on fit. And so even a guy like Wancho, if he's playing a bunch of minutes with Jokic and some spacing, he's going to be awesome. It's going to be like that Golden State game. Maybe not quite that great, but it's going to be. He's going to be cutting and filling. You know, he's going to be good. But you give him like Plumley and Fareed and Moody. Like, what's he do on that? Like, what? Is, what is his I think role? The, I think the saving grace is that. You don't have your whole bench lineup in there for more than like one or two minutes at a time, so that that's that's the saving grace. Do the there. old do the old nineties rotations where they would have the players the starting unit play the entire fourth quarter and into the second quarter? The, yeah, the Nuggets would <laughs> never play like just say Moutier, Fareed, Nurkic a lot of minutes. They would never do that, right? <laughs> never. No, I, I agree with you, Adam. I think that's a huge concern the bench unit, and that's why I thought they really need to go out there and get another guy who can play the three and the four because that's where they're going to miss Gallo the most, in my opinion. Because their best lineups out last year were the, some of those where they played Wilson and Gallo together at the 3-4, and they just don't have that flexibility anymore. Gallo and Wilson were the two-headed monsters. You know who I kind of like <laughs> as a trade partner <laughs> is Jared Dudley. And i got to oh, admit, yeah. half of this is because I think he's one of the most interesting dudes in the NBA, and I want him <laughs> to be here. And, like, and he always answers questions on Twitter. He's so freaking <laughs> – he is so great. But he's also a good player, and because I do think he could pl- him and Wilson could play that 3-4 – that that's the kind of guy they needed, like a Dudley or yeah. a PJ Tucker or a Umba Mute. Like that's the kind of guy they needed. He stays in his lane, man. Like it's such when you have players like Jokic, it's so important to have guys that stay in their lane. And he would be another one that just does that. State, did you just quote Levar Ball there? Oh my god, I did <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> I didn't say Yo Lane. So so, Plumlee still has not signed a deal, right? Like, is he just going to sign his qualifying offer and try again next year? I assume so because there seems to be. No free agent market out there anymore. I mean, that's what I would do if I was him: sign it and then be unrestricted next summer. I tell you what, when I'm, even less teams have money. If I'm <laughs> if I'm coming up as uh, someone through high school into college, and I have, and I'm being really tall, and people play me as a center, I'm going to be very upset because man, there is no market for centers. Well, yes. you just got to be able to shoot threes. <laughs> no if Mason Plumlee <laughs> could shoot threes, he'd be signed by now. I, oh, I think if Mason Plumlee just took threes, I swear there's a handful of guys in the NBA that just shoot threes. They can't make them, but they shoot them, and guys are like, yeah, it's a three-point shooter. Like randomly, yeah. Brooke Lopez last year suddenly hit a large volume of threes. He made a lot, though. Yeah. He was like surprisingly good. He should have been shooting them all along, it turns out. Yes. LA, LA Laker, Brooke Lopez. Right? LA Laker. Yes, Man, that's weird. What is Plumlee's deal going to look like? Like five million a year? Well, if he signs the qualifying offer, it's like four million four or something. Half, yeah, like, four and a half. It's like I don't think it's, I don't think he's there's no market for him. I mean, it's so he's going to have to be either he's going to say I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to have the best backup center you know I, minutes ever. But if the Nuggets know. could lose Fareed without having to give up assets, but just kind of cut his salary and then signed him to like a three year twenty four million where the first year was like ten of that and then the next two were seven. It would be a home. It would be such a good deal. You could deal Plumley for seven million a year. Yeah. Anybody would take him. He's like a, a fringe starter. So for that price, that's awesome. I would have thought they could deal Arthur at eight million. But isn't it <laughs> well, funny? Like when they traded for Plumley, we were like, "Is he going to get fifteen to twenty? Like where is it going to fall?" Well, this now is how dumb like, we all are. I guess <laughs> we are very dumb. Well, we did like we, five did, to ten. I is don't a good think deal. we like adequately predicted the the market for centers is completely going. Well, we thought the salary salary cap, salary cap yeah, was supposed yeah. to be a lot higher too. Yeah. Man, the Nuggets kind of worked out with this Warriors being great. I kind of hope the Warriors dominate next year, too, and 4-0, so all the salary cap numbers dive again. <laughs> and then we're like, all right, Jokic, time for an extension. It's this tiny one. <laughs> it's the most we could offer. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're SOL on the extensions, bud. That's crazy. How about Trey Lyles? 
We didn't even talk about Trey Lyles' minutes. Where's he going to play? Power forward? I have no idea where he's going to play. He's definitely playing the power forward. Well, he's playing power forward. I don't know where his minutes are coming from. I hope he's the backup power forward. I actually like Trey Lyles. I'm, I'm ca- cautiously back. optimistic. I, I, for me, I would rather him be the power forward than Fareed or Durrell, and I think it makes for a lot more interesting lineups. You've got to follow my logic on this one. Lyles is going to be the backup to the backup of the backup for the power forwards. You've got Fareed, you've got Durrell Arthur, then Lyles. I really like Lyles, too. I liked him coming out of the draft. And he had a good rookie year, but he just kind of got lost that second year. And then they got really good, the Jazz, all of a sudden. Last year. And they got good with stretchier guys. Like right. Joe and, and they brought in like Boris Diaw and Joe Johnson. That took away his minutes. Well, I mean, hey, listen, for that matter, where's Tyler Lydon going to play? I mean, if we're talking, of, if we're talking about fringe players here, I mean, we might as well throw that in there. I mean, I, I just, it's. I mean, so that's what we're doing now. We're dealing the 13th pick in the draft for fringe players. Like, good job, Nuggets. Good job. I was, it wasn't a good night. I, I, you, I wish you were there that night. You could have seen all of I'm us in our reactions because it was, it, was, it, was it was not encouraging. I was thinking of, like, do it. I was, I'm not going to do it because it's too lame, but I was thinking about doing a podcast that was just like, okay, now with the, the benefit of hindsight, Let's do the perfect. Let's go back two months and do the perfect Nuggets offseason. And it was like you draft Donovan Mitchell. He's awesome. Maybe then you could trade Jamal Murray, or you know, like at that point he becomes a little bit more expendable, and you can get Kyrie. And then I don't. Or, or actually, you can get you Jimmy Butler. Actually, you could give up Jamal Murray and get Butler, and then you have this like Mitchell Harris Butler Millsap Jokic lineup, which would be pretty freaking great. Probably could have just traded Mitchell too as part of that Kyrie deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. might have wanted to hang on to that and pick. It, yeah, <laughs> there we go. I mean, I, 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 yeah, he had a great summer league. He, he you want him for great. Kyrie? Yes, we do. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Take him. Uh, I just, yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those situations where it, you look back on that draft and you think, oh man. But I, it, if the Nuggets drafted another point guard, they would have been hammered, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah. You know? I, Actually, what about uh, what about this one? You trade Murray and and the thirteenth pick, which was Mitchell for Butler, and then you give up the two thousand eighteen pick for Rubio because that's all it costs Utah. I think that's a really good team. Rubio, Harris, Butler, Millsap—that's four phenomenal defenders, and I think they all actually fit around Jokic because as much as Rubio can't shoot, he'd be the only one that can't shoot, and yeah. he's a really really good passer and cutter. That's a great team yeah, to me. I that's like, like that. a two or yeah. three seed. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a much better defensive team. Yeah, much better defensive. Is there a team. song out there that says like, "Oh, the things that could have been"? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody saw this coming beforehand, but now in hindsight, knowing what everything went for, it was at least possible. Well, it's it's frustrating to look back on that night and think, "God, dude, we ended up with Tyler Lydon." <laughs> I mean, think about it, too, from, like, other teams' perspectives. We'll never understand that pick. Honestly, I, I don't I mean, get it at I, all. I know. I, I think it was pretty obvious they were targeting somebody else in the yes, late 20s. They Did they think he How was, do you not have a contingency plan, though? There's so many players were, that are more they, interesting. They were targeting someone else, and uh, they, unfortunately, a, a, an old friend of ours stepped up. Because, uh, because well actually, and, and that guy wasn't even their plan A. That was like plan B. So the Nuggets ended up going with plan like Z or something <laughs> like that with Tyler Lydon. Did Lydon. they think Lydon was like a different player? Like <laughs> They wrote down the wrong name. They're yeah, like, oh, yeah, damn they, it. They, yeah, they thought it was Peja Stoyakovich. <laughs> it's like anytime you hear about a guy from Syracuse, it's like just disregard. 
That's a, never this is the kind of stuff that happens Fab in Mello or something like that. This is the stuff that happens to me in fantasy football drafts because I don't. I spend like five minutes preparing, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to pick just next guy on the list. I Every, can't imagine that happened to the that Nuggets. Was, that Everybody was, gets yeah, good rookies except for you. Yeah, that, that was me and uh, Dempsey's uh, fantasy basketball thing this year, and I got creamed. So uh, I'll not be doing that again. So how good is like the rest of this Northwest Division too? I mean, you look at. I, I was pretty. Like, look at Oklahoma City now. Paul George are going to be a one-year problem, right? I don't know what's going to happen the year after, but they're a one-year problem. Minnesota's now a much better team. Portland's pretty damn interesting. Uh, what is Portland doing now? They get rid of Crab. They have all this room. Is that Melo deal going to come through? Or are they going to get No, I think this somebody? is the team they've got, probably. I think they're good. I think they're, they're, they're a good team. They're probably a little bit – they're not as good as they were last year at the end with Nurkic. I don't think they're going to be that good, but I do think they're going to be a lot better than they were for most of the season. So I think they're probably in the in that happy medium between what they were at the end of the year and at the beginning of the year. Let's talk about all of our nightmares. <laughs> Nurkic is annoying on, because he always posts his workout videos, but damn, that dude looks good. He, he looks, looks great. absolutely skinny ripped right now. And nobody has seen pictures of Jokic for like three months because somehow he's off the grid, but somebody on Stiffs did post a photo I shared with you guys the other day. Jokic looks about the exact same as the end of the season, I would say. There's a scary scenario in which Jokic just is not a guy that works out ever. And I'm a little bit concerned. And then Nurkic likes to keep practice shooting three-pointers a lot. And when in his time in Denver, you'd always see him shooting threes. Yeah. Like, Back hey. when he was injured and he would just come on the court like 20 <laughs> minutes before the game and just go around the arc shooting threes. Yes. I'm fine with that. that that's good. I'm a little concerned about Nurkic staying healthy, though. I'm not convinced he can stay healthy. He's had a couple weird injuries. Big boys that can move never right. do. Right. Yeah, he doesn't have a great basketball body. But that's a, I mean, that's a brutal conference for centers, right? Towns, Nurkic, Jokic. Gobert. Adams. Adams. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a class. It's, it's a brutal division, and I don't think the Jazz are going to fall off as much as people think either. Same. And what is it like? What does Jokic need to be in great shape for? Like Marcus Gasol, you look at his body, and he's not ripped. He's just skinnier. You know, and he's a dominant center in the NBA, right? Like, do you, what does what does Jokic really need? He's never going to be like a above the rim player. You know what I mean? If you look at him at the start of last year and where he was at the end of last year, and you just extrapolate that for five years, he looks pretty bad. That's what I'm concerned. <laughs> he about. was also exhausted at the end of last year. Yeah, but he's yeah, had a couple it's... months off, and if this photo's to believed from Instagram, well, I, I was concerned. just going back to Nate's point about why, why does he need to get in better shape? Because he was tired last Listen, year. I, I remember, and he doesn't run. He barely runs like on the court anyway. But still, I'm not speaking out of turn here. This is this is 100 percent true. Coming into the year last year, uh, Jokic, you know, he wasn't like a Greek Adonis, but he was relatively, for him, in shape. By the end of the year, I've never seen anyone other than him and Nurkic progressively get more and more out of shape as the year went on. It is the most phenomenal thing about, I've ever seen. Uh, what about Carmelo? Remember when Carmelo posed for like Mile High Sports Magazine or something with his shirt off? Carmelo, yes. And Steve Hess was like, he's finally ready to be photographed without his shirt on because he's got like barely a little bit of a six pack and this yes. and that. And then it was like, where did that all go? <laughs> well, I think, I think <laughs> part of it, it happened fast. I'm with you guys. I don't know if Jokic is this workout warrior, but also part of it was it's definitely not. A they, they like stopped practicing at the end of last year. If yeah. you remember, cause they were so banged up. They didn't have enough guys to practice. They, 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 yeah. So they, they were pretty much going from like walk through to game to game to walk through. Well, there. when you're so, drinking I mean, two liters bottles of coke every day too i mean that's gonna, that's gonna and if Jokic doesn't like 
you know, the traditional being in the gym, why don't they just go Rocky Four on him? Give him some logs. He can have that. His, he can ride on his horse plow. Give me a go. You know, work around him. He works plow. Yeah, <laughs> tie a horse plow onto him. Can he can you? go side by side with his best friend. It's going to be great when they have to offer Jokic the Supermax, and they're going to offer him a Supermax with weight incentives. It'll be the first yeah. ever Supermax. Like 200 million, contract. but like half of it is weight. But it, to me, it wasn't even really necessarily the weight. It's just he was he – was, uh, it, it didn't look fat. He was just flabby. Yeah. So yeah. Does, does Denver always have to have like a flawed superstar? David Thompson and cocaine. Cocaine. <laughs> Alex English and no defense. No defense. Yeah. Jokic, fat, mellow, Fatty fat. Burek. <laughs> Carmelo, chubby. Like. See, Matumbo was, prob- was probably the one that like was the most uh, consistent out of all of them. Except, and then, yeah. So, I mean, but out of that, I think you're right. <laughs> and then it's the, like the Nuggets with power forwards with needs, you know. <laughs> Thank God, you know, fingers crossed. I was just, I had the small hope. It was a small hope, but that Jokic was going to come in into the season next year just all refreshed and skinny and just like, (laughs) and I've I've pretty much abandoned that hope. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to come in in moderate and at best adequate shape and training camp will probably slim him down a little bit. And then that's what we get. Which that, is still uh, really good. Still top 20 player. Eating that, uh, eating that Serbian food is uh, putting weight on him. Burek or <laughs> I don't know. Like, and it's, it's just really hard for me to imagine Denver being marketably better than they were last year. With like As Jeff said, you know, you lose Gallinari, you replace him with Millsap, essentially. Are they going to try to do something to change this team in, during the season, which is going to take time to gel, you know? And it's like, I just don't know. I mean, it's, the Millsap thing, overall, it's exciting because they, they get this good player in there. You make your team better, as, as Harrison was pointing out. But ultimately, it's like... The West has gotten so much better. The Nuggets are still so many question marks. Like God, every every year with these teams, you know. But are, are, do other teams, do other fan bases have these same gripes? You know, are they saying, "Man, we, you know, what are we going to do?" The Jazz. I mean, the Jazz are fucked, right? Like, we just lost Gordon Hayward. Like, what are we going to do now? You know, and that's kind of the telltale thing, right? And I know Harrison, we've kind of talked about this before. Of the Jazz had this team of their own young players, right? They trade for Derek Favors, they draft guys, they build this young core. And then they start getting expensive, and you start losing guys, and guys start falling off, and you never realize the potential of that team. So it's Chris Paul when he was with the Hornets. You know, you had David West coming up. You had Tyson Chandler. That team was, you know, they beat the Spurs, and then they folded the Nuggets the next season, and they're never the same. Like, you have yeah. such a small window. When it opens, you got to go for it. I don't know where it's going to be with this Nuggets team. You know, where is that window going to be? When's it going to happen? you got to read it perfectly yeah that, that, kind of, that kind of goes back to adam's point that timelines are kind of bullshit because you can't pay all these guys when they're all coming up together at the same time so you need to have some sort of stagger it's the old oklahoma city problem right yeah. like the yeah the thunder the, the warriors are one of the you know the warriors the spurs are these rare teams that have the you know they have the perfect window everything lined up perfectly for them right you know can denver be there you know i mean that's a it's like the odds are more against you than they are for you obviously it's it's hard to imagine this thing ultimately working out in, in this this favor. is this is why the Tyler Lydon's moves are so important because if the Nuggets had yes. drafted in that spot this actual like really great play and maybe Tyler Lydon's we don't know but doubtful. we know it's not great we that doubtful <laughs> but if they would have gotten this guy that you're like oh man that guy's going to be a solid role player solid backup four and now he's on it you, you just have to kind of keep the pipeline full of those guys and when you miss trip up on one or two of them. Then three, four years down the road, you're like, crap, we have nobody. Yeah. So here, here's a question for you guys. If, if the Nuggets are contending, I'll call it, in, uh, in 
you know, the next few years. Is, is Paul Millsap on that team? Is Paul Millsap on this team when this team's a contender? I think he absolutely can be, but it would be in a low-salary backup role, which is important. Like, there's every championship team has that that old guy that's kind of come through the ranks and now gone to the bench, and that's that that's where he would be. I think. I think the next two years, yeah, eighteen, nineteen, or nineteen, twenty. It's like that's when they really gotta make a big push. I well, that's think. the that's, that's the it, and Millsap will still be a, a I think a big part of the team. You get to the that's doorstep the sweet spot. of contention. Yeah, that's the sweet spot right there. Is that then that's the, the what you're looking at is a couple years down the road. In order for a team to be able to maximize its salary potential, it has been shown over and over and over again in the NBA, you've got to be willing to spend into the luxury tax. You have to. And if a team is unwilling to do that, you will always cap your, ce- your, your ceiling, just like the Thunder. So if Stan Kroenke, oh, a, a, a.k.a. Josh Kroenke, is not going to go there... <laughs> Then, um, then the Nuggets are going to have some seriously hard decisions to make. But here's the thing about the salary cap that's kind of interesting: is now it's compounds, right? The first year it's one, you know, one to one. Next year, two to one, three to whatever it is, right? It, steps it goes up. like one, one and a half, half to two. two yeah. yeah. So the Nuggets kind of have to avoid the luxury tax for the next two, maybe three years, because yeah. I think they will go into it. It's just you can't you can't start that clock now because no. then by the time you're in there the luxury tax is going to cost you a hundred million. You can't. I mean, first of all, the ro- the roster isn't even fully formed. There's players in this roster like um, Kenneth Fareed. So I don't think he's going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So or, or Darrell Arson stick. or yeah. or uh, Jameer, Nelson. Jameer Nelson or please you know, trade Jameer ancillary Nelson. players that you won't be looking at in the future. Obviously, those that, that's twenty five million dollars in salary right there. So and maybe that's how important it's going to be to get yeah. off of Kenneth Freed's contract that yeah. they have to attach a pick or something just to avoid starting that clock on the luxury tax. Yes, yeah. very true. I don't see it because they're not going to go into the tax this year. And then you can't. How can you not trade a guy who's a serviceable player on the last year of a deal? To me, that just seems like something you do. Even to me, don't attach a pick. I think Malik Beasley needs should be traded pretty quickly, in my opinion, because I don't see where he's going to develop on the Nuggets roster. And he might be a good player. I just don't think it's going to happen in Denver. And the longer you sit on a guy that's not playing, the lower his value is going to become. So it's a very good point because they've, mm-hmm. they've kind of they've shown us that they're still looking for a point guard. And so they essentially have Murray and Beasley that can play the two. And it's like you can't have three guys under twenty five all vying for minutes at that one spot. Well, I think we should talk about the point guard position because I think that's one of the most fascinating topics heading into the season. Because I was really excited about the prospect of getting like a George Hill. I thought that would be a yeah, perfect that was, fit. That was an interesting. Where did he go? The Kings. He went to the Kings. God. And it's Chetta, obviously, and uh, I think that when we well, the point guard position has been something that's vexed the Nuggets, mostly because you know how much did they have Jokic being the primarily that primary ball distributor in the offense? I mean, was did they got into that in what December? So they didn't really have a traditional, quote-unquote, point guard for that whole time. How much better would they be with a traditional point guard? I mean, that's, that's something that I'm going, because you need, Nokic needs the ball in his hands to initiate the offense. Could you have a George Hill, or could you have someone in, on the off, on the, in the point guard spot be a guy who is a traditional-ish point guard who's going to be high usage 
and still have a Nikola Jokic who needs the ball and to distribute and all that. Right. Jokic is their point guard, but you still need a guy to bring the ball up the floor. You still need a guy to defend opposing point guards. That would have been the biggest value for George Hill, in my opinion. Which is why Rubio would have been a Well, there's three guys there, too, right? There's George Hill, there's Chris Paul, whether you believe any of the rumors of I might talk to the Nuggets. So George Hill, Chris Paul. um, Bledsoe. Bledsoe, and then a shit. I forgot the last one I was thinking. There was another one? I think that was it. Yeah, I didn't know of another one. I'm thinking of somebody else. I can't remember. But I'm Teague? saying, like, maybe. Ky- Ky- Kyrie Irving? Well, there's like, yeah, 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 yeah Kyrie. Yeah. So what? I'm saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, so Kyrie, Chris Paul, and uh, George Hill. Three very different kinds of point cards, right? I would have taken Hill. Well, there's three different guys. Same. Like, Hill's your. I love George Hill. Hill can play off the ball. He plays defense. Paul needs the ball, but is going to find guys. And then you have Kyrie who wants the ball and wants to shoot the ball, right? So, I mean, there's, there's three, like, like Jeff's saying, which one do you choose? Like, how do you choose? Like, to me, Hill would have been the absolute perfect. Yeah, you don't. You one. don't Play need off a, the ball. Yeah, focus on defense. And Rubio would have been. I think Rubio would have been a very underrated option there. I, I don't know. One thing I do wonder when looking at the roster, I can't remember who I was talking to at Summer League about this. We were just kind of going through all the players that they picked. I do think the Nuggets put a super high premium on shooting. And that's not a bad thing. Like, shooting is obviously very important. But that's the only way I can explain this Tyler Lydon pick is, like, okay, what is he good at? Shooting. Nothing else. And, like, oh, that's the most valuable thing there is. And I don't know. I almost wonder if shooting is a bit overrated in today's league. And this is going to sound crazy. I clearly think it's super important, one of the most important things. I just think there's other ways to generate gravity than, than, than shooting. And so if you get a guy that just shoots that has all these other flaws, I, I just wonder about that. Rubio's a guy that would have had a great gravity even without shooting. So what, who's the starting point guard if this is the roster opening night? Jamal Murray. I think Jameer it would end up being Jamal Murray. I think, I th- I think they're going to start with Jameer and then move to Jamal. Really? I cannot see it. I can't either, Jeff. I just can't. I think Murray would like almost demand a trade if they started. <laughs> just, you know what I mean? We're dealing with, what, we're dealing with Michael Malone here. What, what, I, what I, does I, help out Murray, though, is what Jeff was saying about Jokic being the point guard. He doesn't have to run an offense how you think a point guard usually has to run an offense. Like He can just give the ball to Jokic and then go to the corner, and then they can run, run things from there. So I think that helps out Jamal Murray yeah. in that respect. He only played, what, seven games at point guard last year, which yeah. is crazy, and now he's going to be their starting point guard. What is he, so what, what are the cons to having Murray as your point guard, and what are the cons that Murray may have with being a point guard that doesn't get to touch the ball a ton? Like, is Jamal Murray going to be a guy that no, is like Kyrie and doesn't want to play with LeBron anymore? I don't think so. I honestly don't. I think that he cuts so well off ball. He spots up so well. And it's not like when you play with Jokic, you don't touch the ball. You touch the ball a ton. I yeah. think he's going to get plenty of opportunities to kind of create his own offense from it. The drawback for me is that means Moutier or Jameer Nelson is running the second unit. And Jameer Nelson is so much better equipped to run with Fareed and Plumlee and, and Wancho. He's so much better equipped to run with those guys. And that just makes Moody your third point guard again. And at that point, what's the point of having him on the roster? And that's kind of thing that you were getting to with Malik Beasley of they've sat on Moody now for so long. He's got – does he have any value right now? Right. Yeah. I don't – I mean, I don't think he does. you got to think they would have dealt him if there was some interest in him, right? And I think they would have dealt him if they were planning on not, on not playing him. Right. I honestly think they plan on playing him a lot. Either as a, it's possible they're going to play him as a starter, and I don't even think that's necessarily crazy. Wait, I think it's what? a little crazy. <laughs> no, oh, oh, I'm saying like we'll give him a summer to see how he comes back in and, and everything else. But again, Jamal Murray with the second unit I think is better than Emmanuel Mudiay with the second unit. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, and and I just don't see where Emmanuel Mudiay plays. Yeah. 
tons of minutes without Nikola Jokic and some spacing. I just don't see what that lineup's going to be. So unless they plan on playing Paul Millsap as the backup center and going to this <laughs> like very stretchy small lineup with Moutier, then I don't, I don't, I just don't know what his role is going to be on this team. How the hell is Malone going to like once again? Is he going to be? He's going to be playing too many guys, right? I mean, you got too many he, damn he, guys. He, we're he, doing that. Like right yeah. now, we're coming up with lineups <laughs> yeah. that feature twelve players. Like some, there's some coaches out there. I mean, George Carl was absolutely fantastic with having too many guys. He's one of the few coaches, though. Most of them are terrible with too many, too many, too many ingredients to put into something, and you end up overthinking yourself. I mean, sometimes you need to be forced to be limited, and I think that by and large. Malone will struggle again with too many options, and it's going to be interesting. Compounded with the loss of Chris, of uh, not Chris Fleming, of uh, Chris Finch. Chris Finch. Yeah, is it's. I don't know how they're going to replace that offensive input from from that assistant coach. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it could be could be a, another year of Malone having some issues late game. Oh God, no. Well, I think Millsap helps helps out there late in games. Now, now, now you've got a guy that you can. Yeah. Well, I'm, I think offensively too, you can give him the ball and get a bucket late in games with Millsap. Is there some pushback <laughs> on that? You guys don't like no? Millsap in that role. I, 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 I think he, I don't know that he moves the needle for me as like this go-to end of game scorer any yeah, more than either. than than like the Gallinari other guys or something. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Very good comp- comparison in my opinion. Yeah, I guess I just regard him a bit higher than that. As a closer, we'll see. I hope you're right. I hope yeah, I'm I, never. I just, I'd love to be wrong about this. Yeah, me too. I love Millsap. Yeah. This is not a bash on him at all. I just, yeah. I mean, he he, he exploded with Atlanta. Showed what he could do, and I, I'm I'm okay with Millsap being that guy that can take the ball. I just don't have a lot of faith that that is something that you're going to need a guy who can create necessary kind of his own. Sh- and I don't see him in that role. I see him as a guy who is good contextual. Another good contextual guy. What does I he just don't see. I don't see creation as part. What of does Millsap do? Yeah, what does he do with the ball on offense? He does a lot of like these old man post up moves yeah, that like don't mid, look like they work. Post then he turn fades in, away, yeah, like mid yeah. post turn and face stuff. Yeah, it's, if this was 1992, I'd say like, man, he's your closer. But end of game, know. that stuff is important. Look, can That's I like all the only shots that close into games. Yeah. Though, you know, <laughs> post ups, mid ranger, yeah. off the dribble. Yeah, you're you right. You have to have mid rangers to close games. I mean, it's perfect. Can I ask a question, Demar Derozan? Yeah. Would, I'm very curious because Millsap said, you saw the interview with Dempsey where he said he thinks this team is even, has the potential to be even better than Atlanta. And then we saw KD's comment the other day about, let's just ask, what do people think about Jokic? And I'm wondering, I'm wondering what you think Jokic's reputation is to, amongst other players in the league, if he has one, first of all. But I kind of get the feeling that there's a lot of players out there that really respect him, like think that he's a stud. I agree. I, I totally agree. It has to be, right? I think the passing, the how, how he how he does so much without looking like he's doing every, anything. Right. I think players probably think it's a little funny. I and think Chris Paul had a, right. the comment. I mean, I, there's a lot of NBA players that have kind of been like, "Dude, that guy's great." I, I think, think he's one per- of those. He's one of those guys where you you know if you go, when you go to the gym and you go to 24 hour fitness and you get in a pickup game and you go, "I'll guard this guy," and then that <laughs> guy <laughs> fucking torches you and you're like, "Jesus, exactly." This guy's I mean, a monster. It's like he's the Andre, like a, a better Andre Miller in that case. You know, Andre Miller, was Andre a killer would would. Would dominate you in the post, and you're like, I don't, I don't know how is this this is happening. But um, it's kind of I think what helped him was the London game, um, 
the not necessarily the game against the Warriors because they they clearly gave up at the end. But that Cleveland but there was game, two games against the Warriors. The first oh, one actually the one, the behind the back, the behind the back thing. And in, Draymond in looked State. at him like gave this look of yeah. like what well, the hell? And then <laughs> he had the post up against LeBron. The post up against in LeBron the Cleveland was the, game that was the, probably the thing that put him over the over the top. Well, that's what I even though about. even though LeBron said no one could post him up so i do wonder that like what what is it that players like about him is it the passing is it the scoring is it both is it like what are they i wonder what they respect I, about him i, I think it's going to be the same for lonzo ball there's players that just have this feel for the game and i think that's what other players kind of recognize is like man that guy's out here just conducting things at a high level and then on top of that the skill the shooting and, all, and the dribbling and all this stuff but i think just when he's on the court and the offense is just humming. I think you're kind of like I think players see that and are like, man. Also, he's totally different than any other player in the league. There's nobody else who plays like Jokic and who moves this like him true. and passes. And this is true. And I, I've never seen anyone who's handles the ball as much as he does in that position. And is so unathletic. <laughs> and it, it is it's a combination of two things that it's like I think there's a little bit of Columbo going on where people are <laughs> people are underestimating him but uh, that the part two is that there's that sneaky skill and it just really you don't see that a lot from guy that size i i think that people respect that i mean real recognize real, real recognize real man. is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i'm so pumped for murray's second season I, I think you see it a lot with these young guys especially even even Jokic and I always think back to the Steve Young video when he was quarterback with the 49ers where they're just talking on NFL films about the zone. And is there a such thing as the zone? And Steve Young talks about being in the zone and how it's like everything's in slow motion. The crowd blanks out and yeah. you're like able to orchestrate everything. And for me, like Jokic has that. I think Jamal Murray is going to step into that next year. And I think that I think Murray could be a I'm so high on him. I think he's going to be incredible. And for him to get the experience that he got last year and then heading into next year, I think that's where Denver's going to see. You know, Millsap's going to help, but if Jamal Murray makes a jump, they're going to be fucking good. He might be me my too. number one storyline next year. Uh, I think it, too. it might be the number one thing I'm curious is just does he make a leap and what type of player is? Because I still feel like I don't really know what kind of player he's going to be. I know, a, in, I know mostly, but I'm, I'm was curious. He in, uh, was he in Vegas? Did you guys get the chance to talk to him out there at all? Was he I didn't there? talk to him. He was there, though. I talked to him just about his rehab and stuff. Um, no, he's ready to go, though. He's going to be 100%. I, I he think just seems, from what you guys have said and what you guys have articulated, he just seems so intently focused on being a, a great Foc- player. Focus yeah. might be, is one of the first words I would use to, to describe that. I game. think he has the ability to step forward and be the leader of this, of this team. Of, if we're talking about the core, I think Jamal Murray is the guy I look at and say, this guy is going to be the leader of this team. It's going to take some time, though, because that yeah. dude is very much a kid. Man, you guys see the, the, the candy thing he does where I, he throws candy at Malone every time, and Malone fucking hates it. He hates it. <laughs> I think, I think I have that. you ever seen those gifts of Kanye where he's like joking around and then the camera goes on him and he's totally yeah. serious? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I kind of get with Jamal, For sure. how his personality is. Definitely. No, he hated being interviewed last year. That was, that was one of those storylines where it's like he was so uncomfortable with us but it was funny more than that he would mess with malone during the pregame the the shoot around conferences and malone progressively got more and more sick of it as the year went on because <laughs> it was because he would like come in and blurt questions out to him and and all that stuff and you could tell that that part was just you know, a like, kid just like, man just like liked and, doing that sort of thing but yeah. you know if you watch this his uh either his instagram or Snapchat, he's he's like hanging with 
Calipari right now on on, yeah, on private flights. Jet, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but you also see like I've seen just his videos dunking on guys, and he just looks. You know, he looks better now that he's going to be healthy. He does. He's not a huge. Yeah. He's going to be good next I thought, year. I, I he's never thought he really was like good. a big, big leaper, but he really is. He he's gets up. Oh man, he gets up. He can dunk. I mean, I I, I can't wait to see him in the dunk contest. <laughs> do I don't know about contest? that, but. Um, I, I have more confidence. He's going to come out to Thriller. <laughs> How about this? How about this? I have more confidence in Jamal Murray's progression as a player coming off of his rookie year than I did of Jokic off of his rookie year. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I feel yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, I don't, but I, but I, I am very high on <laughs> Jamal Murray. <laughs> you guys I just, know I was so high on Jokic. I mean, I think uh-huh. he, there's a – I mean, Jokic is – he's just can, kind of consistently good. Like, how much better can he – be because he's already so good with Murray. It's like, we only saw some flashes where he's like, he's got this whole, you know, he, he could be a 35 plus minute, a night guy. And where it's like, we haven't, we haven't even gotten to see that yet. You know? Yeah. Totally think there's a world out there where Murray is your best player and Jokic is your second best player. And the nuggets are champions. I think that world exists. Five time champions. I think that exists too, man. I I really think that Murray is, uh, he's just, Whenever we're talking about player development and how do you develop a guy, do you play him a lot, do you not play him, this and that, do you have to force him to work out, do you not, it all comes back to that player and what they want to be, right? Like it's always self-motivation, self-work ethic, and if, if he has that, it seems like. So it's like, and I thought that about Moutier for a minute too. So, I mean, that's, mm. there's the scary part about it, you know what I mean? We talk about social media profiles. Did you guys see, I put it out on Twitter the other day, he was he's in the Congo and he went to see these those like a gorilla reserve because they're super endangered so there's only like one or two places in the world you can go and and he's hanging out with them and it's, it's the very next snap is him watching Paul Blart on a laptop and I just wonder like this Paul guy's Blart. this guy's in the Congo on this like once in a lifetime type excursion hey Christian you can come Christian, on in man in. <laughs> Christian Clark with Denver right house. here stay at your own house and. Uh, and yeah, like so. I'm just wondering, like, how is this guy in like this remote, really cool wow, place? Wow, crowd coming in. Oh man, look at this. <laughs> this is the CSG uh, fan club. Hey. How are you? <laughs> a live okay. studio audience. Denverite's own Christian Clark. What were we saying? I don't. I, I, don't, I don't. We were talking that. about Paul Blart. Paul Blart. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Blart. Ball cop. We're talking about the kind of the juxtaposition of Moutier's personality. But perhaps. I wonder because we've heard stories about him being this like not introvert, but kind of like kept to himself guy. And I'm thinking like you're in this like exotic location doing this, and you're watching Paul Blart on a laptop. Like what a what a weird thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to ask uh, Andy if he if he watched Paul Blart while he was in yeah, Africa. I was say, yeah, exactly. Adam, I know you've traveled uh, extensively yeah. in Africa. Have you watched any B comedy movies? <laughs> <while you're there? laughs> you know what's funny? Because I was I was in Nairobi in like 2007, and uh, Fools Rush In was playing <laughs> in the theater, which came out in like 97, and somehow one of the theaters had Fools Rush In playing. Is that uh, Salma Hayek and uh, Chandler? Matthew Perry, yeah, Chandler, yeah, Chandler being, <laughs> I remember being like, what a random movie, like, to be playing. What a time home. to be alive. <laughs> yeah. You know, I gotta say, we gotta talk about a few other things first. Uh, one thing I've, I've noticed This about podcast, by the way, can be eight hours long and people will listen to it. Like we were talking about earlier, this is the, there's no podcast right now. People are, they're in the middle of a desert. <laughs> right, right. A desert of podcasts. We wanna talk about the jerseys, right? Yeah, we're gonna talk about that, but I'm gonna, we'll, yeah, let's, let's go there first. We'll talk yeah. jerseys first. Uh, I'm gonna mention, I gotta talk about my guy, Wilson Chandler, too, because. 
We'll talk about Wilson not, first. It's not a podcast. You don't talk to you. So something I've been thinking about, and maybe it's because I've kind of stepped away from being a reporter with basketball, and you kind of see the progression of guys. We were talking about Jamal Murray, how he's a, a you know he's a bad interview last year, right? You know, if you're like, hey, let's go on the interview, like. Are on the record, it's time. Like he's going to be bad. Yeah. Gary Harris was horrible. I, was I did talk to Jamal at yeah. summer league, and he was very good. Yeah. He better. Yeah. He, See, rookies suck when they are yeah, not rookies right. anymore. They start to realize. Something. Yeah, Gary was awful. This first, it just was. You couldn't talk to him. He's yeah. still not that great, though. Yeah. He's and pretty quiet. And it's been funny to see just the progression of players and, and Chandler when he first came into the league to where he is now. I mean, you see it all on social media of switching diets and talking about a lot of stuff where you're like, man, he, basketball seems like such a – it's still a very important thing. He still has all those you know, videos of training and this and that, but it seems like such a secondary thing to actually you know, maturing in life and, and kind of going off and figuring out, oh, there's – other shit going on besides this you know it's it's been an interesting progression to kind of see you know some stuff that he's even thinking about challenging people about the flat earth and stuff i don't know how serious any of that talk is but it's just it's it's an interesting dichotomy of these players of you know kind of where they start out and where they wind up as their careers go on and it's it's been pretty interesting to see with a lot of different guys with the nuggets even gallinari you know I love one of the things I love about Wilson Chandler is he doesn't want to be put in any box. Like you kind of look at him and you can maybe try to extrapolate certain things about his life. He's such an interesting and unique guy, and I'm so glad he shares parts of that. Like even the flatter stuff. Like, look, obviously I think that's crazy, but I think it's cool that he's like a guy that's at least willing to like you know have some of these outlandish opinions about things. So I I love it, and you're right. That's my one complaint about Jamal Murray. He's a 19 year old kid, I guess 20 now, but. He's he's a guy that was clearly coached or has learned just through observation that being serious and not having a personality is a virtue. And it's dumb. Like, I hope he breaks that because I think yeah. he has an interesting personality. But every time you put a microphone in front of him, it's, I work hard. I don't feel pain. And it's like... All right. That's okay, the, man. That's the that's the Kobe influence. That's the yeah, exactly. That's the even, a lot, all these kids grew up on Kobe. And well, listen they, to they like the more. last like four years of Kobe interviews where he was one of the best interviews. Oh, it was, he really, he got a it lot was like the last year, man. Was, was, after you establish yourself, you just don't give a, a shit after. After a while. he got after yeah, but Kobe was always you know and you he, know he was trying to be Jordan. You and know? you think too like these guys, these rookies come in, they're nineteen, you know, and you're at your pre-draft workout, and you're asking these guys, you know, what does what will it mean to you to be drafted by the Nuggets? Well, it's been my life goal, your life goal, like maybe for five years. You've been playing since you were fourteen yeah, or yeah, fifteen. Yeah. You know, you're <laughs> well, a kid. You have no life experience. You you know yeah. You, you're going to learn a lot more in the next coming years. And these guys, with getting to travel, getting mm-hmm. to travel the world to play basketball, it's. I look at Jordan Hamilton, who used to play for the Nuggets, yeah. and he's playing overseas and has for a number of years now. And it's like, I wonder if at some point he'll look back and say, hey, I didn't make it in the NBA, but damn, dude, I got to see the world playing basketball. I yeah. got to spend time in all these different countries, all these different cultures, all these different people. Like, he's probably just watching Paul experience. Blart. Yeah, <laughs> watching Paul Blart on a laptop somewhere in the middle of Nigeria. I think um, we'll start to see more uh, personality from Jamal. I hope so, because uh, I think he, I think he does have a really cool personality, and I just think he takes things so seriously. And as a rookie, I, I hate how it's gotten to this point, but it's almost as if guys are saying, "Man, I just, I can't mess up and say something stupid because the media is going to catch me." And I'm just, I just hate how that's how it's gotten to. But it's true, the media man. and these things these days, and it is true, and it sucks. If you remember, Jokic kind of opened up after the All Star break about being exhausted, and yeah. like that became the story that everybody wrote. Yeah. Jokic is exhausted; he's not in shape. It's like. 
man, this is why we can't have nice things. Yep. Yeah. But well, then you get guys, too. Like, obviously, I think people are drawn to people that just, like, Draymond Green says whatever the hell he thinks, and he's widely popular. You know what I mean? Or he's widely hated. He's polarizing. But, yeah, he's a, a polarizing guy. And I think once guys get there, it's, it's like, you know, people just want to hear who you actually are. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh, I, I'm in the gym, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, okay, but just be yourself, man. Like, it's, well, early, it's very interesting. early on, Nate discovered that that Wilson was an interesting guy. I mean, you, you were on the Wilson Chandler thing long before most people were. He, and, and you did that podcast with him, what, four years ago where you guys talked to, he did the rap lyrics, which was, which is funny. Well, I did. I remember when he got, when he got traded here to Denver, I had somebody that emailed me and they were, they were talking about uh, a sister, this little girl that was, uh, I don't know if she was like 10 or 12, but she had cancer. And they did this fundraiser where they were like shaving people's heads for donations for, to raise money for awareness. And they had reached out to Chandler, and he was with the Knicks, and he brought uh, Petra Ewing's kid. They yeah. both went to it and, like, were actually shaving people's heads and participating. And it was, like, no media coverage, no nothing. And it was, like, oh, shit, like, this guy's a different type of player, you know, yeah. or a different, kind, different type of person, it seems like. Well, and you, you were on that, too. And I, and I would say everyone, everyone who listens to this podcast know that I, I, had, I, I taped for, for Gallo a lot through the years since he was here. I could tell you that... He was the worst interview I've ever done, and he was also <laughs> someone who would not give you anything if he didn't trust you. And he would he would be standoffish to the point of where you didn't didn't really want to do anything. And that's kind of the way I treated him the last three years I covered him. But Wilson is a very intriguing person, very and as you were pointing out, a very interesting person. Uh, he has a lot of different in, uh, interests that you don't ne- necessarily associate with, you know, your average basketball player. And Wilson is the kind of guy who, if you talk to him, he will talk to you. He will talk to you and give you a conversation, which is, and I think that comes in part and parcel to treating someone like a human being. And if you treat Wilson like that, he'll treat you the same way. And I, I find when I talk to Wilson, it's one of, it's an always a rewarding experience as far as like, even if it's just off the record, it's always a rewarding experience because he's a genuinely interesting person. You guys ever read like a, a how to be great in business book? I have, unfortunately, but, but like, like Zig the art Ziglar. Of the deal. Yeah. Things like this, they perpetuate, <laughs> they perpetuate this myth that there's one way to be successful in life. Right. Yeah. And I think the same thing is true in the NBA with this Mamba mentality, MJ killer instinct stuff, which I think is, has been true for so many or that has been a, a light agreed upon for so many years that I, I just don't think it's true. But unfortunately, so many players do believe into this. I don't have to have a. I need to not have a personality. I only care about basketball. I don't feel pain, whatever. And I just think it's dumb. And I actually think it's counterproductive. I think there's a handful of players that actually would benefit from trapping more into who they actually are and like drawing their strength from that. Wilson's a guy that's really good. His Players Tribune article, if you remember, one of the best parts about it. I love this part. Was when he was like. I, when I played in China, I had to be the guy, and it was so exhausting, and I realized I can't be that guy in the NBA. I'm not good enough. How many NBA players would say something like this? Like, nobody. Everybody. I'm the yeah. best player in the NBA. Nobody. Yep. I think that, that level of self-awareness and, like, knowing who you are and then, like, drawing your energy and your power from it is such a cool – it's such a fascinating thing, and I also think it's an appropriate thing, but unfortunately, we perpetuate this social norm of you have to be Kobe Bryant. Got to get in that zone. <laughs> yeah. like, what? I think so. Yeah. Quit jacking up stupid shots, Jameer. <laughs> How excited are you guys to try to like to get to know Millsap as well? I mean, have you guys gotten to talk a little bit with him? I know he's only here for his uh, presser, really. I talked to him one-on-one for about five minutes, and 
He was good. I mean, I think he was a little overwhelmed um, that day uh, with the press conference. I don't think he was expecting the uh, drum line uh, that he, <laughs> he got. Do you think he didn't like it? Um, no, I just think he was surprised. Um, I think that, that that was, and the kids, and it, I think he was touched by the fact that they were all kids from the area. From it was, the, from it was a lot. Center. It was it was a big thing. It was, and I, I think that my impression of him was that uh, he's a serious guy. Um, he's serious about basketball, but he does have a personality, and he went through a lot as a kid. And it, his time in Denver wasn't necessarily one that was great because it was a really bad time for his mom, and it was it was one of those things where I, I really you you really found out a lot about him just in the way he was reacting about being back at a place where that rec center where he spent a lot of time, where he just grew up a couple blocks from there. So that was a really interesting part, but I didn't really get to talk to him about basketball too much. I keep, you know, it, it, on my video, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug here, my video on 5280 Sports Network's uh, YouTube page I did, and it was cut down for, to about two minutes. The, he did kind of go into what he thinks about the Nuggets team and, you know, what he thinks about leaving Atlanta and stuff like that. Outside of that, I really didn't get a lot to, to talk a lot to him about basketball specifically and what his philosophy is. That's what I really got from the press conference was he really buys into what the Nuggets are building just in terms yeah. of their player. That was kind of my number one takeaway. Yeah. He thinks they can be a really good team with him. Yeah. And that was a huge part of why he came here. Yeah. Like, obviously, the money was there. I don't know what his other offers were like money-wise, but I'm sure the Nuggets were up there offering him, him some of the most out there. But... One of the reasons why he wanted to come here was he really thinks this team can be good, and yep. he wanted to be here because of that. It's like, and he took a bet, right? He has a two-year bet, and then that third year, if Denver decides it doesn't work or whatever, he can always go sign a one-year with a Cavs or a Warriors, right, and try to get that championship where now he's trying to – he sees something, and he's trying to help build it. And I also I think that. there's a lot of parallels between his teams in Atlanta and this Nuggets team. I think it's a very similar style uh, – to how both teams play, and I think that could have been also a reason. He saw some of the Nuggets in, uh, some of his old Atlanta Hawks in these Nuggets. So you're saying that they'll be taken seven games by the Brooke Lopez-led Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> Those Atlanta teams were great for a couple of years. They didn't have the star power they needed. but So we had the, uh, we had the mystery FedEx box on the court. It's yeah. led to a lot of speculation. Yeah. Did they just get one new uniform? <laughs> <laughs> so that's all you're getting, and you got to choose who you're going to give this to. <laughs> it's like box. your captain. So is that? I mean, is that the thing we've seen already? Who's got new jerseys already? The Pacers, mm. Pacers, Blazers, Kings, Kings. Pistons, Pistons, Cavs. Allegedly, although not official, just a leaked photo of a Cavs jersey on a <laughs> on a dummy. What are you guys thinking? I mean, Nate, what are you thinking of the new jerseys you've seen so far? I like them. Like the Blazers, oh one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Blazers, Blazers are all right. They're the ones cool. that we've seen, like the other teams. The Blazers okay. one yeah. is the like almost identical, though, right? It's subtle yeah. changes. <laughs> the only one that has a major departure is the Pacers, Pacers to my yeah. knowledge. And yeah. I guess the Kings a little bit. It's become a little more simplified. I like the. I mean, the Pacers jerseys were fine before. I thought I mean, they're okay. Whatever. I'm excited to see what Denver does. I really want Denver to go away from the powder blue. My main reason is like when you go to a store to buy like a Nuggets hat, it's like they don't have any cool colorways. Like. 
don't really want to wear a powder blue or a yellow I've hat, never liked you know? the powder blue. So do you guys think this is going to be a little tweak, like the Kings or the Blazers? Or do you think this is going to be a total overhaul, new colors, new logo? Like, how, how much different do you think this is going to be? How much shit have they plastered around the city in powder blue as of now? Is there nothing? When did they ever, though? I mean, come on, yeah. man. Their presence so around town is so not I mean, great. So they could definitely... Except for that one time where I saw a Ty Lawson billboard. They had Ty Lawson billboards. So, uh, yeah. like if they don't have a lot of money right now tied into powder blue, I'm hoping they go completely away. Well, they've been going darker. Yeah. So I think, darker. Yeah. So here's, here's my thought. I wrote about this on Stiffs the other day. Clearly, none of you guys have read it. I did. <laughs> I read the whole thing. You did a great so, breakdown. So Because I, I was starting to try to research and try to really kind of see what we, what we can know from this. Okay, a couple things. Some teams are not doing a big overhaul, and some teams are. I think Denver is probably primed to do a big overhaul. The Pacers, all of the jerseys that Nike has released so far are super clean, super uh, uncluttered, right? Like, you'd almost say basic. I think this is probably what Denver's going to do. And now, Nike has said that they're going to re- release four uniforms per team, but only two Just in two the summer, there. and then two will come later. And if you talk about a Skyline theme, it's almost certainly the other two themes like that just yeah. fits what they're trying right. to do it's not the nike model it's not the nike so i think what's going to happen is the n- nuggets it's sometime soon this week next week week after we don't know the the sometime soon they're going to announce some like the new home and away jersey basically and i think it's going to be completely different very incredibly clean and basic with like hardly anything on it and maybe some kind of stripe or or, or diamond or some kind of pattern on the side. I think it's going to be really, really, really clean and basic, but not Skyline. That's my prediction. I, I, my prediction is they will, they will move permanently away from the powder blues. That's a, I think that's a very I, solid I, I, bet. I think that's a good prediction. Because we've seen God, it. There's, so. there's more and more dark no, blue popping up just around the arena. Yeah. Really every day that, that progressed last year. I know there's a perf- how dark navy or like royal. It's ro- it's a dark royal blue. I know there's a yeah, definitely. Yeah. A Would you say it's a navy dark. royal? Yeah, it's a navy. It's a it's a it's an air force. It's blue. a little darker than <laughs> yeah. It's a little darker than navy. I think. And I know there's a preference it's, within the Nuggets organization to go to a darker color. Too, yes, so hopefully I do. Just I do it. Darker they, colors are cooler. They're just more menacing. It, yeah, just do it. I I think that I've all, uh, well, personal you, preference. I always like the navies, but. I think that it's associated with a bad time in Nuggets history, so I can't see them going there. But there's the nostalgia that, factor, because I feel the same way, but that's, yeah. that was our like, formative years, that I, navy color. I loved the navies. I thought they were like, the, the, especially the road because the skylines were dorky when we were kids, so when they changed to that navy, it was like, oh, we got As something cool. I pointed this out on Twitter. People, people and I got a little blowback, but, but I was a kid. Those, those skylines were the dorkiest most uncool things you could ever possibly have. Yeah. The Nuggets were roundly mocked for the entire time that they had that. And then suddenly, about 15 years later, the English 2 becomes, <laughs> the, becomes the throwback. But like when, uh, when Mello was drafted, didn't, wasn't he wearing an English uh, throwback jersey? Yes, he was. And then Millsap, his press conference, is holding the Millsap throwback jersey. So it's like... If players seem to like these damn things. Yeah, players yeah. love them. They love them. And I think we can all Fans admit, if they just came out with, and they're not going to, but if they just came out with those rainbow skylines that they wore last year, the white ones, like that's instantly the cleanest uniform in the league. Yeah. And the best. I think they and the best selling, too. I the best selling. I, I would bet money that they are coming with their skylines as that fifth. Remember, eight teams will have a fifth jersey right. that's called a classic. I, I would bet money the Nuggets are right. the one. I, I know they should the wear it 40 in, times a year. Nuggets in the past <laughs> had trouble with the throwbacks of the skyline because of a font issue and uh, that's at least that's what it was explained to me so i don't know if they would 
go the full skyline. And as you're saying, I think they, they will probably have it as the, the alternate yeah. thing, yeah. which is fine. I mean, I, I, I don't mind having because you'll see them more often if you if they have them as alternate jerseys. Um, but I still think that they are going to go to that dark dark blue. It's right now like Denver is pretty interesting for team colors. Like you go by purple for Rockies, which orange is for dope. Broncos or orange and blue is unique too. So it's pretty cool. Powder blue for the, I just think the nugget stuff is just, when you see it in stores, it's like none of this stuff is considering cool. the Broncos colors. <laughs> you got, like, would you guys go to support, like Dick sporting goods and buy a nuggets gear? It's like, no, it's tough because yeah, I, I buy I would buy throwback stuff because I'm like the Maxi Miners, at least red and blue. And I just buy my shirts on DenverStiffs.com. <laughs> <laughs> Seamless promo, wow. nailed it. And Plug what color it. are those shirts? <laughs> Mainly navy, right? Yeah, yeah, they're like gray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's I I love the fact that Nike took over and point. the fact that they're 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 doing this over each team and this the NBA the way the NBA wants it they want it more uniform but. Just for the uniform, all the fans buy new shit. Yeah, that is exactly what they want. <laughs> but the Nuggets have needed it for longer than any other NBA. They team. need it bad. The, the little tweak last year was just awful. They needed yeah. it almost it was as so the black bad. letter oh or whatever. Yeah. It was terrible. They needed it almost as bad as the Clippers needed to change their name after Sterling left. Yes. Why did they not do it? <laughs> oh man, know. what if the Nuggets have a, a jersey as bad as the Clippers redesigned? That's <laughs> the dumbest jersey in the history of sports. Honestly, <laughs> oh, well, you, what you, if the Nuggets have? You some, think? Like, you got to think they feel pretty good about it if, you know. Yeah, and they've never felt good about something and it gone south. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember, can see them, like, revealing this really clunky, like, looking like, what well, the? I remember a thing, right? going like, orange and blue, guys. I was, like, I was thinking that before we came here. I was thinking, <laughs> Go like. Go orange and blue. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, fuck you can it. wear your, your Broncos gear to the stadium now and it'll be cool. Like, oh, God, just just, just, Please, just I, send them to Seattle. I, I <laughs> just get it over with. I would jump off the CenturyLink building. I would yeah. just plummet to my death. Yeah. Well, I remember at the Millsap Presser when he when they had that rainbow jersey, everybody was like, oh, man, are they going back to those oh, yeah. jerseys? Everyone exactly. got excited. They, they, yeah. I don't trust the Nuggets no. to handle and their And I, I asked somebody, and I was like, so are we going to see these like full-time next year? And he was like, no, no. <laughs> Oh, it was. It was a. It, people were asking. Connolly. Connolly told me when I interviewed him. He said, "Like, no, it's it's because Millsap like the jersey. Yeah, it was his <laughs> favorite jersey. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I'm like, oh, they, okay, I think they pretty much just asked him what jersey <laughs> he wants to like, have, and he chose that one. Yeah. It's like giving like like ha- having ten people and being like, all right, you guys have two choices. What do you want? And they all pick the same thing, and then you give them the other thing. <laughs> like, just give us what we want. But that's the thing, right? If you're a Pacers fan and you get these jerseys, and you're like, oh, our team did a shitty redesign. Like, it uh-huh. sucks, you know, and like. It oh, yeah, easy. I hated be, the Pacers uh, one. I think the Pacers fans like them, though. Do they like them? Yeah, I think oh, they like them. The colors are great. Yeah, the colors the are The design is Indiana. just so it's basic. It's boring to me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's super it's ba- basic. Ba- like, I like the, the the Nets when they did the really clean. Like, for whatever reason, I just think that's really fresh looking and clean. But then this I one, for some reason, looks boring, not, not, not clean. Yeah, it's no, almost it's like something out of a catalog. Yeah, I, I like, like the, an East Bay catalog. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I like the old Drozen Petrovich next jerseys. Yeah, when they were in New Jersey, those. But were, again, those that's, were great. that's retro cool, right? It wasn't cool. It's it, true. It, it looks this cool now because it looks, it looks retro. In exactly. It looks vintage. Yeah, yeah. Old, to, get me a Derek Coleman. <laughs> yeah. Not not to be a complete uh, to sound totally racist, but black dudes look better in a lot of colorways <laughs> than white guys. 
Well, I will tell you well, that. White guys look really bad in those yellow jerseys they had oh, last year. Yeah. They look it's white. hard to look good in those but jerseys. Like, Jokic looks pretty good in the uh, the white sleeve jerseys. The white sleeve jerseys, like, everyone looks good. good. Those jerseys are, are cool, though, I think. Yeah. I actually really like, I like the white with just a but tiny they are, bit of... By the way... That's, even, that's not even powder blue. That's like lighter than powder blue. By the way, in blue. case there's, there's a reintroduction of that jersey, Sky which I don't blue. think there will be, it is white jerseys. There's no... No, it's white gold. White. It's not white power. It's white gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, white gold. There's no... There's just, just just leave it at white. <laughs> just like, please. Um, those jerseys, I would buy one of those if it didn't have sleeves. And I don't buy jerseys, but I just think that jersey is so fresh looking. I maybe, that's their, maybe that's their like third jersey. And the, I'd be down. And the, uh, the player, skylines are the fourth one. What's it called? The player's mindset? I, I don't get, I don't I don't get the point that Nike is not calling them home away and alternate. They're calling them I, association I think it's, icon. Yeah. I'm a jersey. I'm a jersey purist. Like I like wearing teams. I like home teams wearing white. Yeah, really? Yeah, because I don't. I hate when it's color on color. Does it ever get confusing? Like as a player, <laughs> yeah. when you're in different colors all the time, and you're like, "What is my teammate wearing today?" You know, like when, you're, when you're playing at the rec and everybody's in shirts, nah. and the guy's like, "Over here," and you throw it to him, and he's on the other team, and you're like, "You dick!" Why would no, you do that? <laughs> no, I don't think the NBA is like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a you little know, more familiarity. I don't. Yes, is if, there though? If you, you don't like know, if you don't know how, how your teammate looks, then you, you know you've got problems other than jersey misidentification. I say we ask players as you, uh, you guys are going to have to ask players this question. Like, do you guys ever get confused with jersey colors? <laughs> do you ever, you ever I want that asked. You, you, uh, the first, first you know the best color scheme in all of the NBA was when the Nuggets had the white gold jerseys and mm-hmm. they played Charlotte wearing their like teal jerseys. It's the greatest color on color matchup there is possibly is. Never liked the teal. I, but with the white, for yeah. somebody that brings it all together. Com- you know, I, I, uh, when the Nuggets wore the throwbacks for the 94 team, all of them look good. Remember when we saw them when they were taking the photographs? Yeah, and you uh, missed that uh, shot really bad, and Conley laughed at you. Oh, God, I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, I, t- I tried to do a layup, and I biffed it. Conley just... <laughs> Man, when was this? this okay, this, this is like three, four years ago. The Nuggets were doing uh, that, uh, time. that, uh, the that throwback season. thing. Yeah, and oh, the, yeah, I remember that. And, the, yeah. and Conley's like, we're bouncing the ball, like, and they're taking photographs of the players like behind us. And we're talking, and I, I said some sort of cocky, arrogant thing, and I'm like, I went up and did a layup, and I, it was just, it was, it was like one of those things that didn't even touch the rim. That's how bad it was. And and Conley well, just the rim's a long way up. Conley just laughed and ripped into me for like 20 minutes after that, just, just <laughs> completely laid into me. It was fun. It was fun. It was funny for him. <laughs> Can we do this? I want to know. And I'll, I'll ask Nate, what would you do? Because now we're gonna have four jerseys, maybe five. What would you do if you were the Nuggets? Would you completely rebrand and just do something completely new for the first two? How often would you wear each jersey? What would, what would you do with the four? Yeah, I'd like to see like pretty radical changes. You know, something like, new, a new era. To, like, like if they went to like almost an all red uniform, it'd be kind of Whoa. cool for a throwback. <laughs> I mean, they've had red all in red. their colors before. You know, like, I love something. the red and gold. With blue, navy blue, I think it's a very. I think that color. I thought that was their best colors. The problem was that the jersey was very nineties, but I think that I think that I still dig it. That I think that that was. was I mean awesome. the 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 McDice jersey, I had it, and I also had a Lafonso Ellis one, and those were the ones I owned. The proud. I mean, it, it, I got to emphasize you people. The the Rainbow Skyline only became popular later, throughout the nineties. It's like the Nuggets wanted to disavow the fact that they had dorky 
blue, rainbow, multicolor skyline things, you know? My favorite Nuggets jersey probably that had come out was the when they did the like recycle awareness week and they had the green. The green ones? The green yeah, skyline that. jerseys. That was the Those 2009 season. And everybody's like, hey, green Nugs. Like, hey, that's cool. I like, <laughs> I like white and dark blue. I think those are two solid, like Maybe really solid colors. Deep Royal. Deep Royal. I don't know what Force, even is Deep Royal. I don't even know. Air Force Blue. The the color you've seen around around the practice facility and stuff is, is a good color. And I also think you'll see a font change, too, is the other big thing. Oh, I could see that. I think you'll see a font change. Oh, if you look at the fonts of all the Nike jerseys that have come out, very, very, very basic, almost like aerial black, it, but like no serifs or any kind of like crazy feature to them. They're all yeah. just like letters, basic letters. Mm-hmm. Um. But Nate, you didn't answer my question. I want to. So new, new look for the first two. Then what are we doing for the two alternates? So the first two are like you're always wearing home and aways, right? Yeah, I mean half the year at least. Yeah, I'd like to see those be totally different. And then for your alternates, I'd go with one that's just completely crazy, and then I'd do one that's like a skyline type. Yeah, yeah. That's skyline type or an actual th- skyline throwback where it's almost identical, or just the ones from last year. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see the home and aways be the old school skylines, and I'd like to see the two alternates w- just be totally different. Just something weird. Wait, you just flipped that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you guys I, I, think, I think the skylines are so sweet. I don't, I don't want to see them like four or five times yeah. a year. I'd like to see them every game. And yeah. then for your alternates, like, then go with something maybe modern and then something that's maybe a mix of modern and retro. Do you guys remember those know. really dark alternates the Nuggets used to have when Melo was here? Those were the really yeah, dark. They were cool. dark. I, yeah, they I were really cool. liked those. Nug, those Nug Love's the, uh, logo is that. Yeah, that, that the pickaxe yeah. and the... No, 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 no. No, no, it was like, navy that, blue. It was that, it was like really dark, na- almost navy blue and yellow or, or gold. And, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I always liked, I liked those a lot. That's the one. They always lost in those. No, that's, <laughs> that's one. Well, they always Mello lost was, in the yellows last year. Yes, they did. They had a terrible record in the yellows. Terrible record in the yellows, although they beat the, 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 the Warriors. In and the then yellows. they lost one game in the sleeves the whole year. Yeah. They were 6-1, and one, I think. Yeah. That's the one where he beat, they beat. Uh, yeah, so I think that kind they of beat, color. They uh, beat uh, LeBron expect. James on that shot uh, oh, that in deep. Cleveland. In the, yeah. Maybe a little lighter. Yeah, I'd like to see like the I'd go royal blue and white for the home and aways, and then I'd like to see like something really dark for like an alternate, like a, a black. Like that. What about a black? I think black I is so like cool, but other every team has one now. Yeah, I feel like that, that's not Denver. I'd I, go I'd go red over black. I would do a whole new scheme for the first two, like something just completely new that kind of is becomes this era. But then you have I like the white gold jersey. I know they won't do this, but if they did those without sleeves, I'd be so happy. And then the other one being the rainbow skyline. And that was your four, and you kind of wear them evenly, like one, you know, twenty games a piece. That'd be cool. I'd like that. I'd like, I I think they should. You know, I don't like the the yellows weren't cool, but they did seem to wear them a lot. It's like I, I like yeah. when they wear alternates a lot. Yeah, twenty a piece would be cool for by me. I like that. Did, and when Melon was here, did they have any alternate home jerseys? I don't they think had. They remember those black and orange ones? They yeah, had? the Denver Rockets ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just remember them selling. Those weren't those. awful. They Those are kind of cool. They weren't terrible. They're a good alternate for like four times. I hated them just for the fact that they like skipped over the Maxi Minor and the Skyline ones. I'm like, why are you wearing those? No, when we they had two sweet ass. ones. Remember, they did from. do the Maxi Minor one. Uh, yeah, they did. They wore those uh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That that one was one of my favorite throwbacks too. And that and I like that blue there. That was kind of just more of a, well, a, a dark blue. What are the odds that you're going? What do you feel right now? 
whenever they announce this, that you're going to be very disappointed. I'm saying 80%. (laughs) God. So there's a jersey hanging up in the practice facility on the hallway. You know that white one with the dark blue lettering? Yes. I'm expecting the jersey to look like that. You know which one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's the Dan yeah, Issel, yeah, yeah, 70s yeah. one. So th- that's that's what I'm expecting it to look like. That's, that'd be fun. They go too far back. Everybody wants them to go back to the 80s. They go back, <laughs> to, they the go back to the 70s. And they go back to the 70s. They go back. Yeah, they're going back to when we were the known as the Denver Rockets. Yeah. <sighs> it's going to be fascinating. Hopefully it happens soon. I hope Sad. we're not disappointed. Oh, man. I, I feel like you know, that'd be it. such a I'll, downer. I will say I have bad taste. Every time I hate something, everybody loves it. <laughs> so, like, shoes are come out, and, I, and they'll be like, look at these horrible shoes. And I, I'm like... I have been a Nuggets fan for most of my life, and I can tell you that uh, I've found a certain comfort in disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) What would be awesome, a thought I just had, what if they had some type of rainbow piping like down the shorts or something? Uh, Like, uh, oh, you just like rainbow stripes? Yeah, just like down the shorts or down the... uh, the jersey. Dude, they used you're to have right. them like go, going like, just like smart. this, like a bar. Did you read the thing about the Indiana Pacers and the inspiration? And it's like the cornfields and the sun rays and stuff like that. <laughs> really? But so clearly, like the, with the design, they're going to go. But I could see that being the inspiration of like, yeah, the rainbow. Instead of going across here, we were inspired. Yeah. And like, all right, still bring back the skylines as an alternate, but cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I feel, be cool like, I feel like they'll get it right. I feel like uh, pretty much anything that will be done will be an improvement. Over the current situation. Voice of the fan, Nate Timmons. Yeah, you know what? Don't listen to us jaded reporters. Listen to Nate Timmons. <laughs> well, I'm also, I'm also <laughs> assuming Nike has a big say in the design of these uniforms. Like, obviously, when the Clippers did their rebrand, Adidas didn't really do that. Like, it was a private company that did the whole rebrand for yeah. him and really fucked it up. Yeah. But <laughs> I got to assume that Nike has a big pull in how these jerseys look because they're going to want them to look good. And I think that's what we've seen in you know, the five or six or seven that I like the have Blazers. come out. I like the Blazers. So I don't they think really, they'll mess it up. They really didn't do anything to the Blazers ones, but I, 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 I like that they kind of cleaned it up. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's what I kind of liked about it. They yeah. looked like good, clean jerseys. So I, I think we'll see something pretty basic um, that's going to be hard to mess up. It's kind of funny because there's like, like football, you have the helmet and you have the logo, right? And the logo is such a big thing. And basketball doesn't seem to be like – there's not like a go-to logo for teams totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the other thing about these Nike jerseys that is that there's not a lot of logos on them. All the ones that they've done, they've kind of stripped the logo away. But um, they also said in the Nike release that they're coming out with a whole line of socks, headbands, wristbands, uh, tights, everything. So now <laughs> I think teams are going to have almost full like the guys that wear everything are going to have like a full like football a full uniform. suit, a full yeah, body a full suit of uniform <laughs> that's supposed to all match. So next thing I'm you curious. know, next thing you know, they're going to come out with eye black or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There never has been an NBA face paint guy. It would be funny if somebody just painted their face. Oh, man. (laughs) That would be be amazing. (laughs) No one's done it. I am cheering for this right now. Defensive ends in the NFL. Uh, Who's that old dude that used to play for the Vikings? Randall? Yeah. Used to have those big, like, triangle Mm -hmm. eye black and stuff. Like, you better be really good if you're the first guy to try. <laughs> <laughs> I guess NBA players just forewent it and just started tattooing their faces. This is, this is right. This is right. Like Chris Anderson might be got the closest with the bright neck freebird tattoo. Well, then uh-huh. you can always have Trina's Trina's lips tattooed on you somewhere. So yeah, they went permanent with the face paint. Yeah, <laughs> they skipped right over the uh, carnival face paints. <laughs> Anything else? Anything on you guys' mind, Nuggety, that we haven't haven't hit on? Nope. 
I don't think, think so. after after how about, how about Michael Malone's contract extension that was uh, picked up or option? Is Michael Malone the right coach to steer this team into the future? Oh, how man. long is Dude, he going to be the coach? You just opened. I think we'll probably rooms. know that answer after this year. Agreed. But they gave him like he's got this year, and then next year they already decided to do right. I mean, we already know that the Cronkies like to mess up coaching contracts. Look at uh, the Rams. Yes. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't know that they're paying. Here's him. a five year extension. Oh, guess just kidding. You're fired. <laughs> Look, I don't think they're paying him enough for it to really matter if they have to pay him another year. If it was, if this was like Phil Jackson or something, we got t- two more years at twenty five million. Like, no, I think it's. But I mean, negligible if amount. If this is his make or break year, why would you give him an extension just so he's not a lame duck coach? Yeah. You know? Yes, and you that's don't want so that. Important. Yeah, you don't. You don't want that coach coaching with with no uh, extent with no next year on the table. I just hope he improves. So, is this his make or break year, Jeff? I just hope he improves. That's that's going to be my stance. I, I think I we'll know, know after this year if I he's going to be the coach yeah, for the next three years or if he's not. I don't know if it's make or break because he is Tim Connolly's hire. For uh, for coach, and I think that Tim would be very wanting him to succeed, and I think he'll give him every opportunity. Not saying that he's going to employ a bad coach, but I think that I think that that they are tied together, and I think that those two would would be working in a symbiotic relationship. So I feel that if if uh, Tim Connolly feels that if Michael Malone succeeds, he succeeds. Because if so, you if you if, if you can't have a lame duck coach, then next year can't be his make or break year. Yeah. Because you'd have to sign him to a deal, right? So this season probably is his make or break season. If the Nuggets are very firmly in the playoffs all year, then I think he he's definitely coming back. If they're very firmly not in the playoffs next year, I think he's definitely not coming back. And then if they're right on the cusp, like we all kind of the think, I 10. think it's going to be really – it'll be kind of interesting how it plays out. Where are the Nuggets? If, if, if we don't see radical change with this roster, are they in the 7 to 11 range? Are they in the I think 6 it's, to 10 range? I think it's going to be just like it was last year. To be yeah, honest, I think, I think, I think they're, they're going to be right in the thick of it for the whole year. They'll probably be at in the seventh spot, in the eighth spot, in the ninth spot, and then it will probably come down to those last ten or fifteen games. That, that's how I see it playing out. I agree with Harrison. Before I saw that photo of Jokic yesterday, I oh, would have probably man. said like seventh. Now I'm a little. Cons- I'm telling you, man. Like this dude, he's. Uh... Wait, Harrison just checked out. A... <laughs> well, this is his house. <laughs> who's, who's giving Jokic hats, like 1983? <laughs> like, here, wear this. <laughs> the cast of Stranger Things gave him a hat. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, Rock, Rocky for that guy, and we're in luck. We're in business. All right, guys, appreciate it. It was, it was fun talking with you. Yeah, all. thanks, oh, guys. Uh, before we leave, um, yeah, but I have to mention, for those of you who just listened to the podcast and don't know this, uh, I have moved from Denver Stiff's uh, I am, he was uh, fired. I, I don't know why we can't tie. He was no, fired. Yeah, it's, I, he, was, he, was I, just, he was not. You didn't give him that non-compete clause. I, That's true. Dang it! I, he, was, I, he wasn't fired or let go. He was just not brought back. Yeah. <laughs> His contract. I, right I, out. I, I decided to not renew my contract, um, such as, as it was, uh, and uh, moved on from Stiff. So I'm at 5280 Sports Network, and uh, I'm going to be posting this podcast on 5280 Sports Network, and we will be appearing on their app. So you can now uh, find find us on their their app. It's a, just go to iTunes. It's under fifty two eighty Sports Network. Or you could always just find the CSG podcast under the iTunes app. Under, under the iTunes app, <laughs> we are also on Stitcher. <laughs> Who actually gets their podcast from Stitcher? A lot. We have what? a no, yeah, shit ton a of downloads from, from, from I'm Stitcher. Surprised really? I don't know anyone. That, I think maybe uh, I don't know anybody who listens Australia, to a podcast. Does Australia Stitcher? 
Adrian Lesnar. Oh, maybe it's an international I thought, thing. I thought it was like people who had droids, like all had Stitcher or something like that. Droids? Oh, yeah. yeah. Pocket Do people cats. still have Androids? I didn't know people... Oh, Androids. <laughs> no one has Androids anymore. It's all iPhones. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, you can always find Adam Mares, Denver Stiffs, the Locked On Podcast, Harrison Wynn, BSN Denver, and the BSN Denver Podcast with TJ McBride still, right? Still, still, still going strong. The radio man, TJ radio man, TJ McBride, and Dempsey. I saw, I saw Chris Dempsey got some new ink across his forearm. I saw that. Yeah, it's. Uh, you guys name? follow? Do you guys follow him on Instagram? Mm-hmm. You guys don't stalk Chris Dempsey like me and Jeff. Interesting, man. Very odd. This is what we've had. We've had Chris Dempsey on the podcast. I saw Matt like Moore got times, a so. uh, neck tattoo as well. That would be that would be amazing. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate it. We'll catch you guys next week. Month, six months from now, sometimes. <laughs> Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.